Ah, college. The glorious places of learning, filled with drunken partying, sex, and adults acting like unsupervised teenagers with parents who leave coke on the counter. I mean, if you believe 80s movies and porn. But if you don't, college is probably a place filled with no good, dirty, and sexy liberals your parents told you to avoid or is the number one source of stress in your life. But what's the point? What is college and why do we do it? And why is it so fucking expensive? This week on Why Aren't You Talking About This? Hello everyone, and welcome to Waitat. I am your host, William, and I will be your degree-holding guidance counselor, finally talking about something I'm actually qualified to talk about. Thank you so much for listening, even if it's because my mom threatened you to listen at knife point. It means the world to be invading your ears like the disease of liberal horseshit invades your children in college. Like always, make sure to download the episode as well as stream it and spread the show. It'll really help the show grow and help me to eventually do this full-time. Hopefully. And hopefully that's something you actually want. Also remember to send in your emails for episode 20, when we're going to be going over shit that I fucked up in the last 19 episodes. So make sure to send it in to me to read like I'm wearing a scarlet letter. But, yeah, I don't really have any other updates for the show, so let's get right into the episode. Alright, so... Today we're going to be talking all about college and a bit on student debt. Now, before we get into this, why am I a good choice to talk about this topic? Well, besides shut the fuck up, when have I ever been qualified to talk about what I talk about on the show? I was a college student. As a matter of fact, as you probably already know, I have a motherfucking degree in English literature. Yeah, that's how you know I was in it for the love of the game. Got a degree that's useful for, like, five jobs, and all of them are held by boomers. Okay, but now that I've given you the weakest flex of all time, let's talk about what college actually is. Well, kinda. See, college is a complex term. It's hard to really pin down, since every culture calls what we call in the U.S. college something different. A more universal term is higher education which is schooling sought after you complete K-12 education or an equivalent system to gain career knowledge without becoming an apprentice or an intern, as well as, or instead of, increasing your base knowledge and personal education goals and desires. And why do they exist overall? Well, because they're essentially meant to be a reliable place for employer, academic, government, or some asshole that thinks you're a dummy to be able to look at a piece of paper that represents an entire organization saying, yep, he knows this shit, 
Or in other words, that you know, you know what you're talking about in your particular field. Now, in the U.S., there are other additional functions. And firstly, is to ensure your professional credentials, which is kind of like the general purposes, but is also a bit more capitalist in nature. Secondly, is to allow an avenue to social mobility and personal success, being essentially a certificate that tells people that you're a smart, meritocratic boy, and therefore deserves some of that manifest destiny. I mean, sometimes it... Look, we'll get into that later. But it also serves to sort people across the social ladder and into communities, because, you know, America doesn't have royalty, so instead we worship billionaires and divide ourselves into tribes based on social class. And this sorting isn't just collegiates and non-collegiates. It's which college you went to and what degree you got to, creating a massive web of social sorting that we just kind of do automatically. You know, like someone with an associate's from Chemeketa Community College isn't on the same social class as someone with a doctorate from Harvard. And ultimately, this is to make sure the brokies don't get any funny ideas that they're rich because they go to a good school. Now, related to this is that also marks you as being part of the educated class in the subclass of your particular degree field, which in the U.S. is very important. Okay, but these are like the purposes, the reasons why colleges exist for the most part. So what's the actual benefits of going to college? Now, while I could, you know, go into the whole English lit degree holder speech, that's all about enlightenment because I've been training for five years to fight back against the disappointment in the eyes of my loved ones by implying they're low-class anti-intellectuals, I'm instead going to list the actual objective reasons. So, first, because we're a capitalist nation, it makes getting jobs in general a lot easier. Because by having a degree, what you're essentially proving, regardless of the field it's in, is that you're capable of critical thinking, intensive problem solving, and are tough as shit. Because college, while it's a lot of fun, and I found the challenge really fulfilling, is hard as shit. And, you know, because you have those skills, employers want you. But also increases your odds of getting, keeping, and becoming dominant in your job because degrees are still a minority, meaning you have a lot more leeway in arguing for wages, time off, and other benefits than in the interview process, because saying, well, I can just stop working here, actually means something in a field where most people don't have degrees. Of course, this isn't always the case, or you know, depending on your outlook, this might be most of the time, but it's something where if your employer doesn't give a fuck that you have a degree, it's probably time to move on anyways. Okay, second, you tend to become a lot more politically active in both college and after college, largely because you learn how interconnected things are and begin to understand the importance of your own voice. And not only that, but college is a great way to find things you're interested in, which means you'll find things to fight for. And you tend to get into the habit of voting because most colleges serve as voting centers, and I can say from experience, there is pressure to vote at university and community colleges. You know, community colleges especially because sometimes you'll see people working three jobs coming to vote with four kids in tow, taking time off of work and putting themselves at risk of poverty to make their voice heard. So then you start thinking, well, I mean, fuck me, there's no reason that a childless, weed-smoking, jobless 
college kid cretin like me isn't voting. Now, third, you're statistically more likely to start a small business. I'm thinking about it like this. You're making close connections to other people with similar interests that are quickly realizing that a lot of the world doesn't make sense and you can just kind of do shit. And you have passions that you want to pursue. And with a combination of connections, passions, being a tough motherfucker, realizing the world doesn't make sense, and having more debt at 24 than someone who's buying a car in their 30s would be comfortable with, you have basically all the motivation and none of the fucks to give about failure that is required for starting a small business. And mind you, the debt is a problem, and also for a lot of people actually stops them from pursuing their dreams, but you've also probably become very resourceful since a lot of college students aren't particularly wealthy. So you have a little bit of an edge there too. Now, fourth, you can change the future of your family tree forever. Because if you choose to have kids, which I guess you'd be really changing the fucking timeline if you didn't have kids, that aside, your kids will probably go to college too. About 85% of children with parents that have degrees go to college as well, meaning that this has a massive potential to forever put your family into the educated or wealthy class, assuming that you have the average WASP family with 2.5 children. And because of that, there's a good chance that at least one branch, starting with you, is going to end up wealthy at some point. Fucking wild, huh? Now, fifth, people in and graduating from college are often more involved in their communities and community efforts. And this is in some part for the same reasons why you get involved in politics, but there's another reason. See, college really gets you in touch with people, and if nothing else, proves that sometimes strangers are friends we haven't met yet. Yep. Thank you, Dad, by the way, for that piece of advice. That's honestly terrifying, but it's also true. Which means, in addition to meeting locals by going to class together, you also figure out that it's not scary to meet people, so you're more likely to do community involvement stuff. Now, sixth, you become a lifelong learner. I mean, for fuck's sake, look at the show. When you go to college, because you're getting in the habit of doing intense study and research and also learning the skills to make that easier, you're also going to be wanting to do it or be actively flexing those muscles. And in addition to that, because you've been trained to think critically about things, you're always doing that automatically. Which means that you're not only carrying around this desire to learn things, but you're constantly asking questions and debating yourself. Making you not only entirely insufferable to all the people that love you, but you're also in a position to be constantly learning new things and being prepared to defend yourself from horseshit like cults and multi-level marketing schemes. Seventh, you become more likely to donate your time and money. Now, because you have both the spidey sense for, wait a second, things are fucky around here, and the critical thinking skills to understand what can be done, you're a lot more likely to see the issues in your community and join up with groups dedicated to actually helping the issue, instead of, you know, just yelling about it, which is what most people do. Or, I do. I mean, if you think that, uh, listening to a podcast is going to lead to anything getting fixed, oh boy, do I have news for you. Alright, eighth is that you're more likely to own a patent, regulatory right, or copyright. Now, you might be wondering, hey, William, why the fuck do I care? 
I have a degree in accounting. And to that I say, please, for the love of God, help me. Where does my money go? But also, sure, you might think you won't. But because you have that fancy fucking degree and a very, very electrically conductive ball of pudding in that sexy skull of yours, all the other things we've listed, odds are that there will be something you invent or come up with that Daddy Sam will give you the big bucks for. And if you're an artist or engineer, you're probably already well aware of this fact and very well might be banking on it, or you already have one. Uh, ninth, you're less likely to use public assistance. And, you know, obviously there isn't anything wrong with being on public assistance. Shit happens. But if you have a degree, you're many times less likely to need the help. Which, as someone who's done the research, is around people that collect assistance and has felt has filled out the paperwork before, that's extremely comforting and also very helpful to know. And this is both because you have access to higher paying jobs, and because as an ex-college student, you've been training how to scrounge for almost half a decade. And that combo means even at levels where someone really, really needs public assistance, you might not pursue it because you're working a stable job and have scrounging skills. Okay, and finally... Most college graduates become extremely interested in self-improvement. And not just mentally or spiritually, but physically too. You know, with that brain-body connection shit, you understand the effect your physical health has on your mind. And even beyond that, you've just done a fucking degree. That's a major self-confidence boost and probably all the fuel you need to feel better about your body too. And again, I relate. I started going to the gym after I graduated. So if you go to college, you're likely to have a lower chance of obesity, addiction, and going to a fucking doctor. Schedule a doctor's appointment, you fuck. Right now. Stop listening and schedule a doctor's appointment. Basically, you go to college not just for knowledge, but to increase your value in our capitalist economy, become more active in the future of your community, and improve yourself. Now, let's talk about the kinds of degrees you can get. So first we have a certificate, which is a really short-term and highly specialized education in a particular field. And these are for things that require very intensive training that is exceptionally specific, that is either a high turnover or high demand. If you can't think of an example, this would be things like EMT or firefighter, dental nursing assistants, and some trade skills that don't really have apprenticeships. Now these can be maybe up to two years and are usually done at community colleges. And this is like the bottom tier of degrees as well, but you know, don't get your panties in a twist if you have a certificate. I'm not saying your degree is worthless or worth less than mine. You worked super fucking hard at it and have learned skills that society actually needs to function. And also, any level of college is difficult. But next up the ladder is an associate's degree. This is an undergraduate degree that is a two-year program that falls between a high school diploma and a bachelor's degree. Now, these degrees have a lot of overlap with certificate programs for what careers wanted, but associate's degrees are for a lot of support role jobs and, again, very specialized work. So stuff like preschool teachers, engineer technicians, sonographers, and physical therapists. You know, jobs that are very clearly important and you absolutely need in every highly technical field but aren't ones that most people think of until they can't find one. You know, kind of like uh, 
glory holes, like the the glory hole of education. If you have an associate's degree, I'm saying that in the best way, uh, in the best possible. I never mind. If you've been listening this long, you know what I mean. Next is bachelor's degrees, which is the one I have. This is also why I was just talking shit on associate's degrees. Kidding. Uh, These four-year programs are by far the most common and are also often called college degrees because Americans are dumb. A bachelor's is basically the degree you get to tell people that you know what's good and you're ready to enter your field. And this is similar to entering into the field as kind of like... um, It's like the best example would be like a a grunt out of basic training. You know what you need to know, but you're still green and there's still a lot of knowledge gaps. And after that is our first graduate degree, being the master's degree. Now, this requires a bachelor's and often needs another up to two years to complete. And this is meant to show that you've mastered a particular field of knowledge that's a lot more specific than a more general field. So, like, if you have a master's degree in film, that denotes that under the wide field of art, you're an expert on the topic of film and know basically everything someone would reasonably need to know to work in and understand the field. Now, this is particularly common for people who work in highly academic or very artistic fields. And then, finally, we have the doctorate's degree, your other form of graduate degree which takes four to seven years to complete on top of your master's degree, which means most people spend around nine to 13 years in college alone, or somewhere between 22 and 26 years in school in general. As you might expect from that motherfuck of a time frame, this is meant to show that you've mastered an entire field of study or have dug into every dirty, naughty crevice of a focused one. Like, you know, you can have a doctor in psychology that... You have mastered the field of psychology. Or you can have a doctor in podiatry where you know medicine, but god damn, does no one else in the room even come close to what you know about feet? Unless you're in the podiatry association meeting that coincidentally is right across the conference hall from the foot fetish night being held by the BDSM association. Which, if you know me, that's a club I want to be in. Okay, so now that we have that baseline, there's another thing to cover. What the fuck does the word college apply to? Because if you've done similar research, you'd know the absolute flurry of words used to describe higher education. And this isn't even in the U.S., but let's start with the term college. Now, this can refer to one of four things in the U.S., a place of higher education, more generally, because English is an inbred dumpster baby of a language, a liberal arts college specifically, a community college specifically, or a particular part of a university's organization. So then, what are those? Starting with the most complicated, we have universities. These are large-scale, decentralized organizations built to do research and education. And universities are organizations that offer both graduate and undergraduate programs and is made up of a number of buildings, campuses, and sponsored colleges and educational facilities. Which sounds complicated, but basically think of them like education companies. 
individual colleges, administrative centers, professional schools like medical and business schools are all like company branches. And these tend to be the big boys of the higher education system with most people with degrees going to universities and every state has at least one state-sponsored university. You know, or you could be like Oregon that has, uh, I think, six? Anyways, um, state flexing aside, uh, these places are meant to centralize a place to keep the eggheads and stop them from wandering off while also generating the means to make more. And most, if not all, universities have a particular focus or creative beliefs depending on their foundational organization. You know, like a Catholic university will obviously have Catholic values instilled in their students, while the school I graduated from, Western Oregon University, is known for its English degree programs. Or, like the university one of my friends goes to, Oregon University, which is known for their degrees in agriculture and land management. And that is like a, that is the quick funnel to state work. If you get a degree at Oregon University, you're probably working for the state. Okay, so going from the biggest to smallest, we have community colleges, aka junior colleges. And these are small education centers for certificate and associates programs, as well as providing transfer degrees, you know, like what I did with it. And the purpose of all of this is to save students money. I mean, they're a bargain compared to universities and are also commonly on the same campus and share resources with local social services and government services. And their libraries and cafeterias are also usually open to the public if you have, like, a, a relevant card. And as you can imagine, the purpose is to provide education to the local community, which is really fucking cool, and I highly recommend going to one if feasible. Now, we also have liberal arts colleges, which, if you're rolling your eyes because you have instantly imagined the most annoying person you can, I, I get it. I did too. But liberal arts actually refers to, yes, arts and humanities, but also natural and social sciences. You know, so stuff at you, cringe lord. But these colleges are usually built around four-year degrees and are usually very experimental and also private, with low student numbers and more personal and intimate class sizes than universities. And, as you can imagine, they tend to be expensive as fuck. Now, you usually come out with a good education and in a tight-knit community, but these are hard to get into. Then we have vocational schools, which are also called trade schools. These places are focused on the theoretical and academic expertise of other schools, but also works in the much more practical parts of their field of study. It's like, sure, you can come into a vocational field to learn the theoretical ideas of, like, computer technology, but you're also going to learn how to practically make it, and you're going to fucking like it. Now, this is also the school that uh, careers like welders, mechanics, and other artisans and craftspeople go to to get their degrees. Engineering schools are schools that are focused on the use and application of science, art, technology, social sciences, dick-and-titty physics, normal physics, economy, and construction knowledge to build, maintain, repair, and design architecture, structures, mechanics, devices, jerk-off machines, and engineering feats. Or, in other words, this is what happens when a liberal arts school and a vocational school love each other very much, and they get very drunk one night, 
decide, fuck it, and next thing you know, little engineering school is shooting out the posts he drawing Mozart. Now, engineering schools, if you can tell from that example, tend to be more abstract than vocational schools, but are also a lot more practical than liberal arts schools. And also, I do want to say, I'm talking about practical in the sense of, like, hands-on, uh, hands-on construction. I'm not talking about, like, practical isn't useful. That's, again, English is an inbred dumpster baby. Uh, but finally, we have the arts college, which, like all the arts, is unnecessarily overcomplicated. Because this is actually two kinds of college. Performing and visual arts. Performing arts colleges are the category where you use your body, physical presence, props, and instruments to create art. Like music, acting, and modeling, and if we lived in a less, and if we lived in a less uh, prudish society, uh, maybe porn. Uh, but the visual arts are the ones where you use film, clay, metal, paint, and other non-human mediums, which might be no jizz either, so don't think you're going to revolutionize the visual arts on that one, to create art. It's like filmmakers, painters, and, you know, fancy art shit like that. And art colleges, unlike other colleges, are highly focused on creating artists, designers, and musicians. And so a lot of the more general education things aren't necessarily covered that much. Okay, so... Now that we have all of that, the only thing left to cover before we move on to the history is cost. So let's go over how universities are funded, which is from multiple sources, primarily being student tuitions, uh, Title IV, federal loans, state funds, and private donations. Starting with state funds, most states will give money to public colleges, usually per student. Now, the highest amount paid is by New York State, averaging just about $25.1,000 per student, and the other nine top highest spenders are Connecticut, New Jersey, Vermont, Alaska, uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Delaware. And again, we have motherfucking Alaska really putting it up for their education budget. But the lowest spenders are Tennessee, North Carolina, Texas, Florida, Nevada, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Arizona, Utah, and finally Idaho with $8,000 per student. Now, I don't know about you, but these lists aren't particularly surprising. But let's say these aren't enough funding. Where do you turn? Well, to alumni, private corporations, and institution donations, of course. Now, this concerns me because I'm a dirty fucking leftist and I'm always skeptical of lump donations. Now, like me, you might be thinking at first, like, some behaving grove shit is going on, but actually looking at the biggest donations, it's not that bad on the surface. But obviously I'm still skeptical about how altruistic these donations are. Now, the biggest donation to date was in November 2019 by Michael Bloomberg, an alumni of Johns Hopkins University, to fund student financial aid programs to the tune of the exceptionally reasonable $1.1 billion goddamn dollars. The second was a donation by John and Ann Dewar, Dewar, sorry rich people, to Stanford in May 2022 to open the Stanford Dewar School of sustainability, which is focused on fixing all of our pollution fuck-ups. 
again, to the tune of 1.1 billion fucking dollars. The third was to California Institute of Technology for $750 million by Stewart and Linda Resnick to build a 75,000 square foot research building and support sustainability research in 2019. Fourth, donated to Columbia University by Florence and Herbert Irving, was $700 million to advance cancer research and give the university and New York Presbyterian Hospital uh, money to fund clinical care for cancer in 2017. And finally, the California Institute of Technology again, to the tune of $600 million by the co-founder of Intel and his wife to support education and science programs in 2001. Now. Like I said, you sound really altruistic and helpful, and I will say, money is money, money helps. But my broken brain is really trying to turn it into some capitalist, multi-billionaire, dystopian nightmare. Yeah, like there's some under-the-table deal to hand off any of their graduates to their companies, or like, if you find the cure to cancer, to give it to them and then burn the research, you know, like, Whatever, anyways. But next, we have student funding. The source of student loan debt and has caused all the college students in the audience to hiss like your cats and you reach for the peanut butter and check their student loan balance. So, how much is this? Well, excluding books and assuming you're going to a public institution, about $16,757 per year. Which is how much you have to pay. Probably, at like... 18 years old. And if you wanted to go to private school, $43,065 a year. And if you're going to a private for-profit institution, that'd be $23,776 per year. Which means that by the end of your education, if you get a bachelor's, you're looking at somewhere between $67,028 and $172,260 in debt by the time you're graduating, which is somewhere between a pretty sweet car or a cheap house, which is sad to say that that's the comparison. For an education and a piece of paper telling people that you know your shit. Now, if you don't want to pay this money or you can't pay it, what can you do? Well, luckily for you, there's some options. Versus scholarships, which are financial aid given to you based on a specific set of criteria like your grades, sports, and can also be like race and gender. And these are handed out by basically anyone, from private companies and individuals to the school itself. Now, you don't need to pay these back, but the general idea and understanding is that the company is going to get something out of it. In some cases, it's increasing the number of people in their field, all the way to getting brownie points for being totally not a bunch of dickheads, by giving some marginalized teens a free education. In others, it's a direct, you scratch my back, I pay for your school. Stuff like schools providing athletic scholarships and private corporations offering to send you to school if you work for them. Second are grants. This is when the government, private organizations, and nonprofits hand out free money, and they tend to be very specific for their values. So, like, an institute for the blind might give a blind student a grant, while a local government might give, like, an academic super superstar high schooler a grant to the local school. And finally are student loans, which is money borrowed from an organization, like the government or a bank, 
with a lot of money to pay off the cost of your education, which has to be repaid over time. And these student loans is a major problem in the U.S. Right now, there's a total of $1.78 trillion in student loan debt across the United States right now, with most students owing somewhere between 20 and 24K, which is a massive amount, being about 122nd of the military budget, which is the most American thing I've ever said on this podcast, and that's honestly kind of sad. And what does this do? Well, ignoring the economy, because honestly, fuck the economy. For students and graduates, it stands in the way of buying a house or a car, and even going on vacations or making other major life purchases, even necessary ones. And not only because it impacts your credit score, but also because, you know, you don't feel like you're able to spend money on things. Because, you know, there's a titanic sort of debt hanging above your head waiting for you to slip up. At least half of people with student loan debt reported changing their life choices, with a third saying it prevented them from continuing their education, and 14% saying they don't feel like they can start a family with the debt. And people become terrified of being jobless, and so will often stay in shitty jobs because they're afraid to take a risk and end up being fucked on their debt. In addition, this debt doesn't fucking go away. Meaning that if you die, the debt gets passed on to next of kin. Which again, causes a lot of stress and makes it hard to branch out. Anyways, the last way schools get their funding is through Title IV. And this is part of the Higher Education Act of 1965, which provides financial aid to students and also sets rules and provisions around funding education. Which, I mean, that's, that's basically it. So, now we should ask why college is so expensive. Well, let me put simply, there's a combination of things. I mean, first of all, education is expensive as fuck in general. Uh, also, government subsidies, an increase in demand, and competition in amenities and class entrance. So, I mean, starting from the least problematic is, you know, the uh, price of education and knowledge. Basically, that because both of these have no guarantee of monetary returns, takes up a lot of time, is pretty ephemeral and also requires highly valuable materials and skills, education is super fucking expensive. Now, the competition of access means that in order to ensure students can get access to everything that they need and also everything that they're paying for, you need to keep prices relatively high to forcefully reduce the number of people in the class, which will also help with the uh, availability of professors that do one-on-one time. Now, with the increased demand, a large number of jobs ever-increasingly require a degree to not get a loogie hocked into your face by a potential employer that previously didn't give a single fuck. I really meaning that schools can just name their price. And finally, because the government subsidizes higher education and foots some of the bill, they can charge the government basically whatever they want. And sometimes, you end up footing that bill, because for some reason, you're the one that has to manage your grants and scholarships. And, holy shit, with all of that, let's go into the history. And rather than starting in the Stone Age this time, we're starting in dynastic Egypt. Only about uh, 2900 BC, and give or take a few centuries. 
But in this time, there was already something really similar to universities called Pre-Onks. It's P-R hyphen A-N-X. So, judge me all you want. But these are also called Houses of Life. And these were buildings meant to house smart people while they worked on things like law, medicine, architecture, religion, and math, as well as figuring out how shit worked and also training doctors. Thousands of years later, in ancient Greece, Plato's Academy and Aristotle's Lyceum were founded and are really good examples of a good old-fashioned Greek education. And no, not the kind with a lot of gay sex, that's everywhere. Rather, it was focused on lecture and approach heavily focused on math and philosophy. And one of the few surviving ancient Eastern monasteries, another early example of something like a university, was founded with the Buddhist monastery of Nalanda. With the Buddhist monastery of Nalanda in 427 BC. I need to start putting pronunciation guides in here. I just realized that which accepted students to not only learn Buddhist teachings, but also about advanced fields like medicine for hundreds of years. And even more recently, the Han Dynasty, lasting between 202 BC and 9 AD, at least the, this one, there were multiple Han Dynasties, but this is the relevant one, um, they decided to elect people specifically to teach Confucianism to students of schools and started a wide-sweeping system of schools intended to prepare students for government jobs. And the combination of everyone with authority to say anything about the government, knowing Confucius, and the schools basically shoving it down your throat, his philosophies actually turned to the backbone of Chinese culture. And these ancient examples, as well as the episode a few weeks ago, shows us the state of education in the ancient world, being mostly to train public servants, priests, and doctors. And all of that is essentially what the university system was for millennia. Wild, huh? But following these ancient traditions, Emperor Theodosius II of the Byzantine Empire uh, establishes the... Oh, shit. Pan... Oh, fuck. Uh, Pan... Pandidicarian. That sounds a little dirty. That sounds like a place you'd go to take a whole lot of dicks at once. Um... He established it to train public servants in 425. Saying that sounds like a place to go to take a bunch of dicks at once, and then it being a place to train public servants, that's... That sounds like a really sly way to say uh, state-sponsored prostitutes. That wasn't what was going on. He was a good Christian boy, I think. Uh, which, again, like the Houses of Life, and the schools of the Han Dynasty were established essentially solely by the state to ensure necessary jobs were were to ensure to ensure necessary jobs were filled. Okay, we're moving on a little bit. Uh, at the same time, with the fall of Rome in the West, education in Europe flipped a U-turn harder than anyone driving on Oregon roads from Texas, California, or Florida. If you drive like that, uh, we hate you, by the way. You fucking prick. Go go to the uh, Pandicatarian. Oh, fuck. See, I don't just fuck up, like, I fuck up Western words, too, okay? I'm 
I've added all, all languages. Uh, anyways, but with all these fancy academies basically gone, without their funding or pap-pap government to protect them, these stores of knowledge, as we've previously discussed, became religious centers like cathedrals. And these cathedrals, still also needing a ton of well-educated people, began a system of cathedral education to ensure enough skilled workers to keep everything running. Which, given that cathedrals and the Catholic Church were getting uber-fucking-rich by the 7th and 8th centuries already, when this really started popping off, turned them into something very similar to universities now. And at the same time, in the Muslim world, we have the madrasa system. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, which is basically a school on the same campus as a mosque. Now, initially, these were like primary schools for basically grade schoolers, but over time, they slowly shifted into being places of higher education. Unlike cathedrals, however, the madrasa were largely independent from Islam, and being literally within the distance of throwing rocks could be considered blasphemy of it, but they were also independent from the government. And rather than being set up like the modern schools or cathedral schools where a master of the field lectures you, groups of students are guided to solve a problem by their instructor, which is a lot like a study group. And the Muslim world also gave us the oldest university, the University of Al- Oh, Al-Qarayn? Al the University of Al-Qarayn, which was initially opened as a mosque in 857 and slowly shifted to an education center. I'm going to apologize about my pronunciation. I have done that every episode for a long time now, and I'm not going to change because I'm lazy when it comes to pronouncing words. Um... Of course, not to be beaten, and also to redefine the parameters in order to win, Europeans found the University of... My brain is telling me baloney. The University of Bologna in Italy in 1088, but I know it's Bologna. The University of Bologna in Italy in 1088, the first and longest-running university in the world. As long as you count structures built with the specific purpose of being a university, of course. And this was a university in more of the modern sense, being constructed as a place of higher education and learning, especially for the rich, which for the most part provided enough of their income and had low enough numbers of new students that the school could keep open. But all of this changed at the dawn of the 19th century. Because as the world began to industrialize, and also as knowledge became more and more accessible with things like the printing press, more and more people were both looking for the education at college, and employers needed more and more educated people. And this quickly outstripped the income these schools were making. So, what was their solution? Run back to pap-pappy government. Which does make sense, since the government also needs these very smart people to function. And tied to this was that by the 1850s, the colonial powers of Britain and their former colonies began to rapidly produce universities. And what was the reason? Well, essentially, that as the flow of education, technology, academia, and philosophy was flowing through these regions via their colonizers' vast imperial connections, you need a place to concentrate that knowledge, sort it, and then figure out how to use it. And for the colonizer, having these universities gave their most distant colonies a way to be enculturated to their culture, and I'm pretty sure that's a word, 
steal their ideas, and also increase their intellectual power by having more universities under their thumb. And for the colonies, in addition to the other benefits, their ideas could also be spread outwards, which would lead directly to the early 20th century development of this relationship, where universities becoming more and more common benefited from the income, and now both the public and government were reaping the benefits of their research and their education with not only newly educated people entering the workforce, but also inventing within the university. Things like better fertilizer, better steel for naval vessels, gas engines, and faster factory machines. And then World War II happened, which, as we've discussed, really fucked up the idea of science for people. But rather than chilling university attendance, there was a worldwide boom. As a lot of societies were shaken to the core on account of you know, the millions of people dying and probably the worst thing humans have ever done to each other, governments and private organizations worldwide push extremely hard to get people into educated fields, and universities started to shift their focus less on the elites and more on the common people, democratizing education by a lot. But now let's go over to the U.S. side of the timeline, starting in the colonial era. So, during this early part of American history, most, if not all, universities you see are going to be founded largely by religious groups that train their ministers and are largely modeled off of colleges like Oxford. For example, Harvard is founded in 1636 to train ministers in the state I will not say the name of, and you know why, and was funded largely by the colony itself, but also connected a lot of donations to fund itself. Now, one of the few exceptions near the 1600s was the College of William and Mary, which was responsible for the education of lawyers, politicians, and gentry. But Yale in 1701, King's College in New York in 1746, which was later renamed Columbia in 1784, Princeton in 1747, Rhode Island College in 1764, renamed Brown in 1804, Queen's College in 1766, which would later be renamed to Rutgers, and Dartmouth in 1769, nice, were all founded for religious reasons. Now, some other exceptions was the Academy of Pennsylvania in 1749, which was founded by Benjamin Franklin as a secondary school, became a college in 1755, and the 1765 founding of the Medical College of Philadelphia, which was the first medical school in America. And five years later, the first medical degree would be given out. Hmm? Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. Not by them. By King's College. Columbia. Yeah, puzzle that one out. But after the revolution, with all these varied institutions and a nation in need of some unification, an idea was proposed to promote intellectual unity, republicanism, and enhanced learning in the burgeoning U.S. and to keep up with those fucking Europeans. What was the idea? A national university. And, you know, what dumbass proposed this clearly ridiculous idea? Oh, only George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, and Alexander Hamilton, to name a few. However, because there's a lot of anti-intellectualism floating around, states' rights, people already lighting tiki torches, a fuckton of indifference by everyone who didn't get their names written down, and people that really distrusted the idea of a single unified government making all the choices, this idea kind of sputtered out. But we'd keep trying, and we'd get to those later. 
But importantly, in 1780, Transylvania University was founded in the South and provided law and medical programs in both undergrad and graduate degrees, which thrust a lot of politically-minded Southerners into the limelight of prominence of America for about the next two to three centuries. And if you're thinking, oh, you'd probably be right, given that the future leader of the Confederacy went there. And by the 19th century, education in America had developed a bit more. Curriculum, by the turn of the century, had shifted away from religion, but was highly focused on the importance of memorization and repetition. Which, uh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Also, most schools in America were liberal arts colleges and rarely did lab work and was instead mostly lecture. Discipline at the time was exceptionally harsh and unwavering, and bullying and hazing were were exceptionally common. Uh, given the low number of choices in the U.S., it was also common for people looking for graduate programs to go to Germany to get their degree and come back, which eventually led to the founding of colleges like Cornell, John Hopkins, and Stanford. But in the 1820s, a lot of schools actually started to shift away from language programs like Greek and Latin, very traditional languages, seeing it better to learn the modern language of science, German. Now, of course, all of this had a lot of uh, back and forth and pushback and a lot of uh, indescribable amounts of rage for some reason, but it's America, that's what happens. But then in 1837, Mount Holyoke, <laughs> that's, that can't be how you say that, Mount Holyoke uh, Female Seminary School was founded by Mary Lyon, the first women's college to be opened in the U.S., and while you might be rejoicing, keep in mind that this was a highly conservative and religious school teaching deeply conservative theology. So, yes, girl power, but... Eh. But in the same year, Oberlin College in Ohio began to admit female students, quickly making up up to half of the student body and often reportedly being better students and better Christians than their male peers. Uh, yeah, no shit. I mean, look, we expect women to mature a lot faster than men, so it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Oh, and by 1870, 21% of all college students would be women. But Oberlin also broke the mold by being very anti-slavery and also admitting black students, which at the time was fucking madness. And in 1839, another women's college, uh, Wesleyan College, was opened as the first Southern women's college. And then the Smithsonian Institute would be founded in 1846. During one of those periods, we got really horny about National University, which, hey, I mean, that's pretty neat. Uh, but this would be followed up by the National Academy of Sciences being founded in 1863 for the same reason, and Columbian College in 1919. But getting back to 1862, America decided to fuck over Native Americans again. How? Well, Congress passed the Morrill Act which allowed for the foundation of colleges from the sale of federal land. And why was this fucking over Native Americans? Well, because the majority of the land being sold had literally just been stolen from them. Yeah. But this was then expanded again in 1890, allowing schools to expand further west. In the same year that they've... In the same year, America funds the foundations of a few all-black colleges 
created through the same means to train teachers. And look, America, sometimes you get it right, even if we have to literally almost break your arm and scream your fucking face about it, but Jesus fucking Christ, could you just for once not do something cool without the threat of force and without simultaneously finding another marginalized community to fuck over in the process, please? Could you please make it easier on all of us? Okay, and then by the 20th century, we see another explosion in education similar to the Industrial Revolution as America begins to open colleges like crazy in order to train teachers and address the intellectualist desires growing in the public. And during this time, a lot of much smaller and highly focused colleges rise, like the work of Booker T. Washington. In 1900, he makes connections with educators in Africa and works with them to eventually found the Booker T. Washington Agricultural and Industrial Institute of Liberia by 1928, unfortunately, 13 years after its death. But he also works with the Tuskegee Institute in 1906 to secure massive funding for schools and train black intellectuals and farmers and develop a traveling school program. And now we jump to the 1920s. During this time, junior colleges, like we talked about earlier, are set up nationwide by city governments. Why? Well, because a ton of people were looking for local, low-cost schooling and training for their white-collar work and technical jobs. Oh shit, did I say people? I meant factory owners. But also, a ton of four-year universities and colleges were built in rural areas to give them access as well. And then the Great Depression hit, and it motherfucked fucked higher education. Only very rich and deeply rude schools like Harvard survived largely unscathed, but universities like MIT had big cutbacks, and a ton of black colleges shuttered or were cut back so much to be extremely ineffective. And because colleges were seen as elite institutions, they weren't directly bailed out by the New Deal. Instead, they got the table scraps as the new work-study programs and a less impoverished student recruitment base helped to get their money back on track. Now, something that helped schools really get on top again was World War II. Like, Jesus Christ, that's a, that's a wild way to get back on top. Uh, because of the aftermath, to avoid getting told that they're fucking over veterans like they have after every major American conflict, the U.S. government passed the GI Bill which granted veterans a subsidy to their education to the tune of about 50 to 80 percent of the total cost of college, which at the time was 800 to 1400 dollars. Yes, you heard me right. 800 fucking dollars for half your college education. Fuck me, right? But anyways, this bill would give you the money regardless of if tuition was less than that, meaning that if it more than covered tuition, you got to keep the extra money. I'm pretty sweet, right? Well, that's not really the case anymore, but still. But into the 60s and 70s, coinciding with massive left shifts in U.S. politics, the number of colleges and college attendance rises sharply, especially amongst the black community, which is often attributed to activist groups donating to pay off tuition, GI Bill payouts, and increased student activism to include marginalized students into the act into the education programs. However, by the 1980s, the number of black people as well as the rates of college admission in general begins to drop. Why? Well, because colleges realized that the U.S. government would write them a blank check, 
and combined with fewer grants given out, most people, disenfranchised young black people especially, couldn't afford college. And seeing a market opportunity, the highly derided and also just in general really shitty for-profit colleges began to pop up. And which takes us basically to the modern state of college, so let's hop out of the history and look at the modern day. Alright, so before we get into the problems and issues going on these days, let's first talk about student and college stats. The first, who's enrolling in college? Uh, well, firstly, 62.7% of high school grads go to college, and 60.9% nice of students are enrolled full-time, and 80% of all students are first-year first-timers, which means that if you're a second year of college and it's your first time through, congrats, you're in the 20% minority. Which, funnily enough, 20% of students in college graduate every year. Now, to contextualize, in 2022, there were 17.9 million students in college, which means in that year, about 3.58 million students graduated. Now, let's also look at the demographics of race, sex, and age. And yes, I know sex and gender aren't the same, but census data hasn't caught up with us yet, so keep that in mind when we get there. But racially, 55.2% of students are white, 13.4% are black, 19.5% are Asian or Pacific Islander, 3.9% are Native American, and 3.9% are multiracial. And of these, 19.4% of students identify as Hispanic or Latino. Which is actually pretty close to the actual demographics of the U.S., the give and take some. Alright, so for sex, 35.6% of all males between 18 and 24 go to college, and it's the same for 44.5% of females, while 65.2% of females over 25 have gone to college, and 61.1% of their male peers. However, 50.4% of all females have a degree, while 46.1% of males have a degree. And also, sorry for saying male and female there, trust me, there is no one cringing as hard as I did when saying it and writing it. It's just how the stats were presented, and I didn't want to change them because saying men and women implies different things. Okay, but this shows the majority of degrees are held by people identifiable as female. But what else does this show? Well, that the number of people who go to college and have a degree has a massive drop-off. Close to about a 15% drop-off on average. And finally, for the age demographic. So 0.7% of college students are baby geniuses and are in college under 15, which is about 125,000 children going to college. Holy shit. But anyways, 1.4% are 16 to 17, which is also fucking bonkers, but they're at least graduating high school just a year early and not 3 to 4. 45.1% are 18 to 20, 49% are 20 to 21, and 25.1% are 22 to 24. 11.1% are 25 to 29, 5.2% are 30 to 34, 2.6% are 35 to 44, 1.3% are 45 to 54, and 0.2% are 55 plus, which really shows that college is a young person's game. And this also puts the average college students into context. A white, 
first year, first time woman, around the age of 20, planning to graduate with a degree. Okay, and now let's look at what students usually go for as far as a degree is concerned. 77.7% .7 of undergrads go to a public institution, and 62% of them are full-time students, which basically means that they do 12 hours a term, which is roughly equal to 12 hours of class time and about double that of studying per week. I mean, roughly. It usually doesn't work out like that. But for people shooting for a graduate program, 48.8% of them go to public institutes, while the rest go to private and for-profit organizations. Out of the people that graduate from all colleges, 24.6% graduate with an associate's degree, with 36.8% of them graduating with a degree in humanities and associates with an associate's degree, with 36.8% of them graduating with a degree in humanities or general education, which is usually what you get to transfer. 49.9% of students graduate with a bachelor's degree, and a, the majority of those, 19.1%, are in business. For my degree program, which is humanities, but you could lump into social sciences, makes up about 8% of all uh, bachelor's degree graduates. Now, Also, 20.8% of graduates uh, graduate with a master's degree, and 4.7% graduate with a doctorate. And quickly, before we get into the issues of the day, let's also mention the number of institutions we have. Right now, there are 3,982 colleges across the U.S., which sounds like a lot, but keep in mind if everyone went to colleges, class sizes would be just around 75,000 people a year. So just keep that in mind that, like, that's not enough colleges if everyone decided to go. Of these, 1,625 are public colleges and 1,660 are private. And there are 697 scams, uh, for-profit colleges, not scams, sorry. Uh, and again, that sounds like a lot, but this is on the steady decline. We're losing colleges every year. Uh, which brings us to the issues. Uh, besides schools closing like crazy, the schools that are still open have poorer and poorer graduation rates. Only 39% of students have graduated in four years and 59% graduate in six because of requirements to work to support yourself through college as well as the cost and just general stress and difficulty graduation takes longer and longer and a good number of students realize college isn't for them which can be placed at the feet of all the other issues such as the faulty and weird funding of the government Education costing more the further we advance our level and depth of knowledge, combined with the government subsidies. While students feel intense pressure from our culture to go to college, most of the schools feel no reason to price check, meaning they will gouge your wallet like your food a friend will, will to your girlfriend the first chance they get. And like watching your girlfriend get her pelvis turned to dust by girl cop, you either have to leave, or if you choose to go through with it, they end up with an emotional and potentially financial debt you'll never recover from. I mean, and it's not really even close to the same. I just wanted to, an excuse to say girl cock and also imply your girlfriend would fuck a girl if she has a big enough dick. Because I, at my core, am a deeply emotionally troubled person.
Okay, uh, now also, there's a really poor education standard that, as time moves on, only gets worse as the cost of education increases. Because of the $33 billion per year the Fed spend on research support of the universities, only, 70 mi- only $79 million is given to improve and upkeep the quality of teaching and education. Meaning that as we advance in knowledge, schools have less and less money to distribute to ensure teaching quality is good. Adding on to the fears of eternal debt and slipping education standards making your degree mean less, there's also a lot of racism happening, and you're kind of just going in blind. Since a lot of higher education is meant to divide social classes, and the powers that be are white and want to keep it that way, there's a long history of racism in admissions. Which means, even if they can front the cost, schools still might not accept students from marginalized communities because of the subtext of universities being meant to make the rich and powerful more powerful, rather than being for the poor or marginalized who drag themselves out of the mud. And as far as going in blind goes, most of the fucking stacks for success, earnings, and happiness of graduates in most fields aren't published or distributed to students and potential students. And this isn't primarily on the schools, this is primarily on the government. Meaning, a lot of people jump in their field with a passion and an understanding that college is what they're supposed to do, but with no other knowledge. And because changing paths increases the length of time you're in colleges and thus increases the bill, is a bad idea to change fields, even if you hate it. And then once you're out, you realize, oh, fuck, I need to get a job. Now, mind you, there are career counselors available, but there's not a ton of stats available to make your choice. So if your passion could really only be dampened by reading that you're probably going to be dead by a heart attack by 30 because of the stress of your field, you might not even be aware of that until after you graduate with a degree you're now afraid to use because you found out this information. And finally, there's reduced meaning in your degree in general. Because the last time that America got a culture update was the 1980s Ronald motherfucking goddamn Reagan patch update. And during that update, having a degree was considered necessary for success. So Reagan told your grandpa that you need a degree to be worth a shit in life, and everyone just kind of believed it since. But the problem is that we have a lot more people nowadays. And also, we aren't the same culture we were 50 years ago, but all of our expectations are the same for some reason. So because of that, the market is oversaturated with degrees, and employers aren't impressed by associates or bachelors, despite how hard you have to work for it. And added on to that, a general wave of anti-intellectualism, and because there's a lot of passions and goals you can pursue that don't need a degree at all, there's a growing de- there's a growing distrust of education and degree programs. You know, those people saying, now look, you might have a master's in gender studies that makes you the exact person to tell us how many genders there are, but I went to the school of hard knocks and have lived in the same town for 25 years and you don't know shit about the real world. So, with all those issues, what's the solutions being pursued? Well, nothing. Now, these are issues people on the ground, like students, professors, and lower levels of of administration, have been shouting about for decades. And only in recent years has the government and the higher-ups at these schools started to get worried about it, ignoring all the fucking rest of us saying that it was a problem. So, as of right now, despite calls for free college for all and and for and informing people that, hey, 
you don't need to have a degree to be a person worthy of living or to be a person worthy of being loved. Natty Sam is just hemming and hawing about how to fix the system while being as unhelpful as possible. Which, yeah, that's kind of normal for uh, Father Samuel. Uh, but let's go over to the politics and opinions. Alright, so finally we have a week where we can actually talk about left and right political opinions. Just what you were looking for, huh? Okay, so let's start with the economic value of college. Because, again, as filthy fucking capitalist dog pigs, we have to make everything about money. So comparing it to two decades ago, 36% of people think that the value has increased and 38% say it's decreased. While 19% say it's stayed the same and 8% don't give a shit. Which means that there's a slight majority of people that thinks that college costs more than it should, and it's not economically viable anymore to go. But that's, like, extremely capitalist-centered, so let's look at uh, the opinions of other benefits. Now, related, uh, 53% of people say college is very important for job opportunities, while 29% say it's somewhat important, and 49% say it's very important to develop workplace skills, Alongside 35% saying it's kind of good to develop those skills, but that the school of hard knocks is better. Now, the only one not related to capitalism is personal growth, with with 62% saying it's very important, while 31% say it's somewhat good. Which means that nowadays, most people recognize college as self-improvement rather than being good to get a job, even if American culture and expectations tell you otherwise. So, now is the question of, is college on the right track? Like, is it helping or harming society? Which you might assume would have a lot of opinions, but actually 44% of Americans either don't know or don't care. Of those that do care, 38% believe it's on the right track, and 19% believe it's on the wrong track. And just for, uh, just for argument's sake, let's look at the wrong track. Why do people think that? Well, uh, 92% of left-aligned people blame it on tuition costs, which is 8% higher than the average adult, and 15% higher than the number of conservatives that blame tuition costs. Now, the conservative side actually presents all the other reasons, beginning with workforce unreadiness, that students, that students coming from college are actually less prepared to join the workforce than before. And 73% of conservatives blame this, which is, again, 8% higher than U.S. adults in general and 70% higher than leftists. But when you strip away politics, just about 45% of Americans say that college doesn't prepare you for the workforce and 44% say it does. Which I think only shows, which I think only shows you, once again, that politics ruins everything. Another thing that conservatives think is happening is that college protects students from offensive and differing views, with 75% believing this. For comparison, 31% of liberals say this, and 54% of adults in general. And here's the thing. It's bullshit. College students are actually more willing to hear ideas that challenge theirs, and there are, and are more willing to change their mind on things. In addition, from personal experience, I can say that usually what happens is a viewpoint is introduced that challenges conservative views, and most of the students are either chill or will engage in discussion or debate, will not you know, getting too uh, fucked up about it, while the deeply conservative students throw a fucking hissy fit and then never come back. So, no, modern schools don't hate conservatives. A lot of them are just too thin-skinned for it. 
But, in the effort of fairness, because a lot of leftists are bred from education, there literally is not uh, equal presentation or respect for these opinions. Because, uh, hmm. Uh, but only 41% believe that there is equal respect for conservatives and leftists and leftist views, while 40% say there isn't. Now, if you know math, that means about 19% of people don't give a fuck. And this isn't out of college students. These are of average people. I think if you ask college students, the answer, at least in my opinion, would probably be closer to about 50-50, but maybe with a bit less respect for conservative opinions. And finally, before we reach the end of the episode, is how professors affect students. 79% of conservatives think that professors bring their opinions to class like that's a bad thing, and 17% of leftists agree, uh, with only about half of average adults even caring, though. And here's the deal. Professors, because they're humans, bring their opinions. But they state that. Good professors will tell you that they're opinionated. And they were students, too, and students are very opinionated. So if you have critical thinking skills like you are supposed to have by this point in college, they need to know that already and take it into account when they lecture. Regardless, 32% of adults think that professors in some way don't act in the best interest of the public. On the left and right, 57% of leftists have pretty good confidence that professors are doing the best they can for the public, and 72% of conservatives have a wavering level of confidence. And what do all of these stats tell us? Well, clearly, conservatives have less faith in education. And that isn't necessarily from a place of morality. It, it's feeling threatened. That's why I was about earlier. Because overwhelmingly, educated people are more politically left and also more politically active than people who aren't. Which scares the much more conservative powers that be. And while, yes, this sounds like a conspiracy theory, I'm not fucking crazy. The truth is out there, you goddamn sheep. I fucking swear th Understand? Oh, shit, the soapbox is happening. Okay, well, what do I feel about college? I fucking love it. College was an excellent time in my life, and I really love to learn and talk about things and argue, as you can probably see. And if it was economically feasible, I'd spend my whole life producing podcast episodes and going to college and probably jerking off. Uh, but the problem is that it's not economically feasible to do that. College is extremely expensive, and I'm one of the lucky few that's managed to have less than 30k in debt. Because I went to community college in a state school in a mostly liberal state. Also, if you're going to disagree and say Oregon isn't liberal, look at the fucking voting demographics and not the counties, you hunk of fuck. And, you know, it hurts my sweet and innocent little academic brain that the focus of college is on getting a good job. You know, I always thought and pursued college as self-improvement and because I love to write and debate and examine things, that it was a way to meet people and find yourself. But after this episode, I've learned that it largely hasn't been the case throughout basically all of human history. College has always been for results. Via new technologies, to ministers, to well-educated public servants, it's very rarely been used just for straight-up self-improvement. And that sucks. But, you know, at the same time, I want that to be different. So, I mean, what do I want? I'm in college to be free. 
and for the stigma that your degree has to be useful to the economy to go away. Or, I mean, honestly, that you even need college. Yes, I hate the hard knocks, motherfuckers, but some jobs you really don't need college for, and they can be just as, if not more, fulfilling than the job you'd get because your parents taught you that the only way to be happy eventually was to go into debt and work a job that requires you to do so. So, you know. And, again, also that... It's an automatic response to think that, you know, happiness is tied to work. If you don't want to go to college because you're okay with the level they are at financially and you have a passion that you're pursuing and you're okay with your life, that's also okay. If you just decide, eh, I don't want the stress, I don't want to deal with it, that's also fine. But, yeah, anyways, that's kind of where I'm at. Let's just, let's get you home. Okay, and there's episode 13. Uh, now hopefully I didn't get too leftist for you there at the end. Free education? Meant for self-improvement? What kind of granola horseshit is that? Uh, anyways, if you have opinions, advice on how to make the show better, the school you went to, or what your degree is in, and why you aren't able to use it because no one told you how, and, you know, really anything else you want to tell me, make sure to send me an email at waytapods at gmail.com. That's W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com. Remember to check out my other podcast, Waytat Nerd, where I do basically the same thing, but with nerd topics like fantasy, sci-fi, role-playing games, etc., where I hope you'll like the topics just as much. Also remember to follow me on Twitter at Waytat underscore pods for more episode announcements. Alright, have a good night. Don't murder. Have fun. And remember, tip your school. I might name the building after you. This has been Why Aren't You Talking About This, and I've been your host, William. Good night.